This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. Last week, the Minister for Women, Family and Community Development, Datuk Nancy Shukri, said that the Cabinet has agreed in principle to establish a special department or institution for children. Now, with activists and advocates having voiced out their support for such a move, um, joining me in the studio today is Datin P.H. Wong, Executive Director of Childline Foundation and Co-Secretariat of the Child Rights Coalition Malaysia to discuss what different um, such a department would make, but also what else we need to do to protect the rights and the future of our children here in Malaysia. Thank you so much for joining me today, Latin. Yeah, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too and to all our listeners. You know, we're starting the new year with a very um, big and serious topic, but you know, these are the issues that um, must be addressed that hopefully the new government has shown that they are interested yeah. in prioritising as well. Um, I'm going to start with a bigger picture question that, they, you know, having been closely involved in children's issues and welfare extensively. How would you describe our policies and approach towards children issues? You know, do you think we have a tendency to be reactive or proactive when it comes to it? Yeah, um, yeah. over 20 years, I think I've been involved in child rights and child protection as well as early childhood. And definitely, we do, Malaysia has, over the years, very good policies. You know, mm-hmm. for, for example, the National Child Policy and the National Protect, Child Protection Policy, as well as laws. But these have not been implemented on the ground as they should be. You know, it has not been really translated into protecting children's rights. And I would say it's more reactive, a lot of knee-jerk responses, in particular in the last two years with the last minister. Uh, whenever cases are reported in the news, then you get people scrambling. Mm-hmm. It's more what we call welfare and needs-based rather than child rights and equity-based. Yeah, it's just a reactive. And uh, there's, we noticed there's been barely any consultation with NGOs and the public, including children, on these policies. Uh, if, so it's it's really uh, need, we, it's time for us to stop the you know this kind of reactions. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned no consultation with um, children as well. I think because we often hear that it's important to consult the NGOs, the activists, the community-based organisations on the ground. But when it comes to children's issues, why do you think we don't? We have a tendency to not listen directly to children sometimes. Well, for years, I think uh, Malaysia hasn't hasn't really put uh, children at the forefront in mm-hmm. terms of consultation. I think that children don't have opinions, right? But, you know, recently, last few years, we've had child councils in PJ. We've, we've got the OCC child councils. We've got the PJ, the Young Leaders Programme under UNICEF. So, clearly, there is a move towards more participation of children because if you're going to make policies on children, then you have to consult children as stakeholders, mm. you know? And uh, for, for, for now, there is very little consultation, so mm. we hope to see more of it in the new year. Mm. And what has been the impact of all this, you know, reactive policies, the lack of consultation? What impact has that had on our progress when it comes to children's rights in Malaysia? Yeah, um, I think what we have seen in the last uh, four or five years, yeah, five, four or five years, yeah, is that although Malaysia signed the CRC in uh, 1989, I mean, in, in actually in 2005, and we just submitted our f- second to the fifth report, mm-hmm. yeah, th- all at one go in uh, 2021, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it says a lot about how much we have done in terms of children's rights because you're submitting all your reports at one go. But 
the fact that the government of Malaysia has still has reservations, right, uh, on Articles 2, 7, 14, 28A and 37 suggests that it takes the view that children can be discriminated against, they have no right to a name or nationality, they have no freedom of thought, conscience and religion and should not be free from torture and deprivation of liberty. So this, we need to see these reservations lifted if we are to really, uh, you know, support children. Um, so it is, uh, I think, a, a new area f- for the for the new government to really, really want to make a difference for children's lives is to take these reservations off. Hmm. And it's quite mind-boggling when you put it out like that because it seems like such basic things that you know why why do we have reservations against it, right? Yeah, correct. You know, it's uh, it's. Uh, I mean, of course, there are laws where so you may have to streamline laws and mm-hmm. policies that don't have that. Uh, you know, where age of children you know is different instead of under eighteen, you have other laws that provide uh, other ages. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about the current system, right? Because yeah. we all know that, um, mm. I guess, education aside, most of children's issues are parked under the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development. Um, and then, of course, if we dive further in, I understand that there's a children's division under the Social Welfare Department. You know, and, and it's such a huge ministry. We, we hear the minister talking about yeah. all sorts of issues um, affecting all sorts of different groups, including children. What has that meant in terms of like where the priority for children's issues lie within the ministry? Yeah, um, that's from the very beginning. We've always had children as part of a uh, Department of Social Welfare, right, for ages. And I think uh, what's happened is uh, children's issues have been far too long, been very welfare-based and very needs-based, not rights-based or equity-based, right? All children in Malaysia have the right to survival, protection, development and participation, but this is not the case for children in the most marginalised communities, particularly for refugee and migrant children, children in the street, children who are stateless, you know, still find challenges. And there are children who are Malaysians but born overseas, Mm -hmm. also facing the same problems. And I want to share with you some of the data. I think the data is important. When you talk about, uh, you know, uh, such a the data being so crucial and this is a division within a, a department you mm-hmm. know so it's it's going to be very hard to tackle MOH itself says there are 20% of our children who have some form of psychosocial mental health problems there's been an increase in child abuse and neglect cases 1105 was reported for the first half year of 2022 i couldn't find any data for from then onwards, right? But uh, there has also been online child sexual abuse images and videos reported. And we do have a Malaysian portal with the Internet Watch Foundation. And it is uh, shocking that uh, in July we had zero cases that Mm -hmm. were actionable. And in November we had a thousand cases that were actionable. That means sexual images of children that are posted in Malaysia. Yeah, to that. And I think if you are aware, most of our data comes from overseas. You know, the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children mm-hmm. has reported in Malaysia has over 204,000 reported cases of suspected child sexual abuse images of children. That's coming from Malaysia alone. So how are we tackling something as huge as internet safety, right? Um, if you look at children in need and protection, the latest data, 2021, from Department of Social St- uh, Statistics is uh, 6,100. Mm-hmm. It was up from 5,900 in 2020. Yeah, but and also, but the interesting thing is for children, the birth rate has gone down. So that has an implication on children 
and also on the care of children as well, you know, and also in on the population in terms of workforce later on. You know, if the population is coming down, it's a serious matter. So that's something that I wanted to share because I think the fact that issues are so diverse and, you know, children are form at least 28% of the population, right? It's 9.1 million. Uh, we do we cannot have it parked as a division within a department within a ministry. It actually requires a ministry of its own, if not a department of its own. Mm. And I definitely want to get into that a bit more, right? But just speaking of data, what you know the 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 lack of data, the gap when it comes to data in Malaysia on any issue is not uncommon. We've heard that all too True. often. But when it comes to issues like these, like you know, like child abuse, um child exploitation online. What impact has that gap of data had on how we're able to frame policies? Yeah, I think it is very critical that policies are based on evidence and data is evidence. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we, ha we the CSOs, have not been able to assess data, uh, basic data on child abuse and neglect and all that, it, it's, it's uh, really uh, then difficult for us to even plan, right? Uh, we know that in uh, 10 years ago, the data was available on number of cases of child sexual abuse uh, and different types of abuse, who are the perpetrators. It was on Department of Social Welfare's website. Mm -hmm. We hope to see data being transparent, you know, and being put out to public and to CSO so that we can plan better and the ministries can plan better because if you don't have data, you don't know where to start mm -hmm. and which is the most critical areas. We do know that Department of Social Welfare does know, do know where the hot areas are, where the most cases of child abuse. And if this data is transparent, then of course we can they can work together with the CSOs and the public and the community to tackle cases within those areas itself, right? So we focus our, are able to focus our budget, we focus our work on those areas to tackle the cases. Mm. All right, we'll go for a quick break now and when we come back, you know, we'll dive into the um, the possibility or the very high likelihood of a special department being set up for children um, as was announced by the Minister for Women, Family and Community Development, Datuk Nancy Shukri, last week. So in the studio with me today is Datin P.H. Wong, Executive Director of Childline Foundation and the Co-Secretariat of the Child Rights Coalition Malaysia. And we'll be right back after a quick break on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today is Datin P.H. Wong, Executive Director of Childline Foundation and Co-Secretariat of the Child Rights Coalition Malaysia. And we are discussing the um, the possibility of the Children's Department being set up within the Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development. Now, um, for a long time, really, um, children's issues, children's affairs have always been parked under the Department of Social Welfare. It's a division under a department, under a ministry. And, you know, before the break, um, Datin Wong was sharing about how this has impacted how we're able to address children's issues because it is, you know, we are talking about a significant pop a part of our population, 9.1 million, and yet we only have a division really addressing all the very serious issues like child abuse, um, online child sexual exploitation, yeah. um, and and. That's just really the main issues that we often hear about, right? There are so many other children's issues that don't necessarily make it to the headlines. Now, with this announcement that we will have a, a special department or institution possibly coming up, you've mentioned that you are in favour of it, right? Why is something like this significant? 
Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the Department of Social Welfare has done excellent work over the years, you know, in protecting children. Uh, of course, there are gaps, you know, there are bound to be gaps because it is understaffed. It is, you know, the offices are stretched. But the, this is welcome news. I mean, it's the best news for the new year, actually. All of us were like, wow, you know, thank God something is going to happen mm-hmm. for the children. It gives us hope that children's well-being and not welfare will be a priority. Yeah, we've been far, for far too long we've been looking at welfare. And when you look at welfare, then it's not looking at the rights of children, right? And uh, we hope to see a transformation in the protection and well-being of children. And if you look at children, they're a quarter of the population. Why are they, their rights not prioritised? I don't. We don't understand that, you know? And because they, they, the reason that they, they cannot vote or why, and, and that is... They cannot vote and they can't uh, speak for themselves, right? It is why we need long-term programs and, you know, that has input from children so that we really can plan. Because when they grow up to be adults, we want them to be contributing to the economy, Mm -hmm. we want them to be contributing to the workforce. So you need to start planning with the children for their future, not for them, you know, brand for them without them, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely it's a very significant move and we have great hope that it will continue to uh, make changes for the betterment of children. Hmm. Now, right now, we don't have much details on what this department or institution will look like beyond the statement that was put up by the minister. But um, what are some details that you think that needs to be ironed out? What information do we need about how this department yeah. will function? Um, you know, what, what should and shouldn't be within its job scope? Yeah, I think top of the list would be we're just wondering what is the scope and powers of this department yeah, for children? Will it be like a children's ministry with fully responsible for all children's issues, able to make, you know, over arching uh, you know programs and policies with other ministries because if you know there are about at least nine to ten other ministries that handle children's issues yeah it's not so, just one ministry yeah, alone just alone in ECCE early childhood you have at least four or five ministries handling it from Kamas to Perpaduan to even MOE, right? So we really need to see whether you have the power to make that change and to streamline policies and laws. Or will it just be a coordinating body, you know? Then that's not very good for us, you know, when you are just a coordinating body. Yeah, but we don't want a coordinator. We want something, some a, a, a department that has really able to have the capacity to make changes, yeah? And to work with other ministries, uh, you know? So for us, it is, uh, I think... You will need strong leadership and governance. You will need people who are competent, who have the knowledge, and in specialised issues, for example, child marriage. You know, you have Mm. early childhood. There should be a division for early childhood. And looking at children with disabilities, some expert on, if not staff at least have ongoing consultation or task force set up with relevant NGOs because we have very strong coalitions of NGOs even for disabilities and for all different issues, even rare diseases, mm-hmm. right? So I think the, 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 the task is for government not to do everything. To work with NGOs, we are are your arms and legs, we are eyes and ears on the ground, right? So you make the policies, you make the the laws, and you implement them, and you monitor and, uh, what do you call it, enforce them. Mm. You don't do services. Services you outsource to NGOs, but you give us KPIs. You make sure that we follow the KPIs and we deliver, and then support that with budget, you know? And I think that's the way to go with Mm. this this, uh, department. It's all about understanding that children's issues, um, children's welfare are not homogenous, right? We can't treat all children as, you know, all facing the same issue. 
Yeah, that's true. Look at a child in rural Sarawak and Sabah. They, the, even the, their education, you cannot apply the same education policies in the urban area to them. Even mm-hmm. the content of the education is different, right? Uh, and so, so there's a need to be able to really be more community-based and really looking at the best interests of children in that community. So you have children who... You know, in the communities where child marriage is there, you have children where they're living, they have no education. So we need to look on how best we can. So regardless of whether uh, the children are Malaysians or not, right, they have the same rights. Mm -hmm. So as long as a child is in Malaysia, we are obligated under the CRC to actually make sure that their well-being is taken care of. So every child, including children in detention. Quite a number of them are in detention and that's not very good for us. Mm. So... All of these issues cross ministries, like you mentioned, you know, but we always hear that ministries tend to work in silos, that there's often duplication of the same thing or they don't sort of coordinate with each Mm. other, right? So how, with the new department, right, how can we address this issue without it just being a coordinating agency, like you say? Uh, Yeah, I think there needs to be uh, a few things that are happening with this department. One is we are very interested to know whether this department will have a strong leadership in terms of uh, not just the top management, mm-hmm. the director general, but also the management staff. And, and of course, you can have divisions within the department dealing mm-hmm. with different issues, disabilities and all that. But they have to have one particular overarching policy, the national child policy or child well-being policy that holds it together, right? And we'd like to see more happening with the national child protection policy because all organisations all serve, that provide services or products for children yeah, should actually have a child protection policy and we're talking about even childcare centres and kindergarten preschools and you know and supermarkets or whatever mm-hmm. where as long as children are there you need to make sure that they're taken care of so it's everybody's has to, to take care of that yeah mm. Are you concerned that, you know, considering it's still parked under the Ministry for Women, Family and Community Development, that it's still just a department under a very big ministry? Because like you mentioned before, that then you would be happy to see it being a ministry of children instead, right? I think I'm not the only one. I think uh, most of the CSOs are hoping that there will be a ministry for children. I mean, taking consideration is uh, 28% of population as children. Uh, Definitely, uh, but I... I, 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 we do try to understand that there is a process to doing that. You know, you can't just do an over ministry overnight. However, if there's possibly to do that change, then we would like to see that happen because then the, this ministry will have the power to make sure that no other ministry makes decisions on children's issues without consultation with them, right? Uh, I'm not sure about departments, you know, <laughs> having that same power to mm. do the same, right? So I think it's a matter of governance and power and also the ability to be on par with the other issues related to adults. Mm. So what do you think has been the main stumbling block when it comes to us effectively addressing any issues relating to children welfare, whether it's, you know, child sexual abuse, um, cyber safety, education, poverty, child marriage, all these are huge issues, right? Yeah. What have what has been the challenge there? Because we know that the ministry, the social welfare department is understaffed and stretched. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things where we need to look at is, is to take stock of what's what's available now. You know, mm-hmm. what are the services available through the Department of Social Welfare or other agencies or through NGOs, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't duplicate the work, right? 
Um, and that's one of the things. What are the services available? What are, where they are and how can we close the gap? Right. Number two is the, the lack of data and public access to that data. It's not just the lack of data, it's the access to the data. Even CSOs have problems getting the data, you know, and uh, that needs to be put back on the website. You know, it needs to be transparent and, and accessible to all of I think there's no need for us to hide the data because if we know the situation is like this, then we can tackle it head on, right? Um, the other thing is uh, there's inadequate interagency child protection case management and data management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are not sharing data across. I'm, the data we are getting on child abuse are coming from JKM and the police and they are differing. But you're not including the data that comes from CSOs. Mm -hmm. We collect, you know, uh, different NGOs all over the country, collect data. So there's a need for us to streamline into one system where there's data management and of cases so that we know how bad the situation or how, how can we tackle it. There's a work, a need, I think, uh, great need for government to work with CSOs because we are on the ground and we are going to be able, the issues are known to, uh, and, and there are solutions that have been very good. Uh, there, we could look at uh, looking at the best practices that have gone on for even child poverty. Uh, NGOs have tackled things like education, you know, literacy rates and things like that. So look at what's available and use them, right? The other thing that I think we need to look at is staffing of uh, the, this department, right? We, we, you can perhaps get expertise from other ministries, but uh, they need to be competent. They need to be specialised in the areas of child rights and child protection as well. They need to be based and grounded on child rights. Yeah. And the other thing I think we're looking at is um, the uh, regular consultation, meaningful consultation with CSOs mm. and children, all right? Uh, as stakeholders, you know, whenever you want to make policies and it's not just once, but until the policy is uh, approved and how it's implemented, uh, there should be consultation. The last one I would say would be having clear leadership, governance and transparency in terms of policies, programs. And I think clearly the protocols for... Uh, reporting, right? Whether it's abuse or domestic violence or anything related to children. How easy is it for children to report? Right now, there's no national child helpline for children. We had one before, you mm -hmm. know, from 2010 to 2015. I think it's time to resurrect that children know where to report yeah, if they need help and so that help can go to them directly. I think that's a big job <laughs> for a new either ministry or a department, but uh, we are there to to support the ministry. Uh, we'd like to see more consultations, particularly if you have different divisions within the department or the ministry. Uh, then you can consult, for example, if you're talking about child marriage, you, there are experts in child marriage areas. There, In early childhood itself, we have experts. We have mm -hmm. so many NGOs that can come together with the ministry, come up with a national policy and a national strategic plan for it, right? So use us. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I think every it's all there, right? The resources, yeah. the the ideas, you yeah. know, it, it's all there. It's just a matter of coordinating, yeah. streamlining Correct. and getting that cooperation yeah. off the ground. Correct. Yeah, that's it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Another issue that I want to bring up, Datin, is that we often hear, we well, whenever there is a uh, case of abuse, for example, yeah. or cyber safety happening, um, people will bring up, well, why not we introduce stricter laws? But is stricter laws necessarily the solution when it comes to children's issues? Or is it, or does it go back to enforcement, like you said at the start, because you said that we have the laws and policies? 
Yeah, I think the way to go with this is uh, there will be never enough uh, welfare officers or, or, or protection officers to handle cases. The way to go with this is prevention. Mm. You need to do more prevention and awareness and you need to be able to enable the communities like neighbourhood, you know, residents associations and children themselves to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So you, we need to really look at before that. And if you look at prevention, a real great part of it is high quality care whether it's childcare zero to four or after school, before school care. Why are children getting into this, into so many issues? You know, why are we seeing children dropping out of school, being, you know, delinquents and things like that? Why? It's family, you know. If we look at how the families have broken down because both parents have to work Mm -hmm. and the care of children has now, I think, deteriorated, particularly for childcare. I think we had 5,000 registered childcare centres before COVID. Now we have 2,700. So it's really in crisis. And so I think if you put more into high-quality care as well, because we're not talking about protection all the time, we should be looking at the whole spectrum of high-quality care, protection, rehabilitation, and the justice system must be child-friendly, must be putting the child's best interests, you know, and, and they should not be detained for any any amount of time. And even court systems have to be, you know, I know there are, there have been uh, efforts to do that, but it's not being seen implemented on ground. That's what we want to see, that it, it can be implemented, it should be implemented on ground. Mm. Yeah. So then what would you like to see this yeah. new government, this new administration, um, this new minister prioritise yeah. when it comes to children's issues? You know, I'm sure the list yeah. is very and long, but what are some top issues that you'd like to see prioritised? Yeah. I think one of the key ones would be the top one would streamline and update all laws and regulations to enable best interests of children and to remove legislation or procedural processes that hamper child well-being and protection. Number two is to establish and strengthen an interagency child protection case and data management system and the prevention of abuse, neglect, exploitation, all forms of violence against children, wherever they are, whether it's the home, whether it's in the neighbourhood, whether it's in school. Yeah, we want to see an end to violence by 2030. That is our SDG goal. And uh, third thing I think very important is, you know, look at poverty, right? Child poverty is improving the basic health service delivery, especially to marginalise children and prevent deaths from road injuries and drowning. Mm-hmm or even accidental, you know, death at home, right? Uh, I The other a key area is we have a large number of children with disabilities, right? Various kinds of disabilities, not just, you know, and we want to see an improvement to the status of children who are marginalised, including those who are migrants, refugees, and stateless, you know, that at least they get some form of education, they get some form of health care, right? The, I think the fifth thing would be... Uh, Definitely, we have to look at ending poverty, especially among the indigenous uh, group, you know, and those particularly in Sabah. And of course, in within our urban poor, there's such a need for us to really, you know, try to elevate the daily living for the children because their parents are struggling mm-hmm. to, to put food on the table. Um, and of course... Being an early childhood person, I would definitely push that we look at the quality and accessibility and affordability of childcare. Mm. It's not affordable now and it's not accessible. Yeah, so we're hoping to uh, see if there are ways where we can improve, for example, home-based care. 
because it's in the neighbourhood, it's accessible, it's probably affordable, right? So let's look at that. And I think we also need to look at particularly the removal of any barriers for parents who who have children who are born overseas and things like that. So they need to make sure that they have they can acquire their Malaysian citizenship, and of course. Ending child marriage is a key ask of the NGOs and reducing teenage pregnancies. We need to put programs in for prevention of teenage pregnancies as well. Hmm. Child marriage is always such a, 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 a thorny issue. I think we've that is one, I think, among the, the yeah. ones that you've listed it's down. Priority. That's a priority and that's one that we've unfortunately not heard anything about yet. But hopefully, you know, we will see some change in policies and laws coming from this new government. Um, to wrap up yeah. our discussion today, you know, yeah. what would be your final message on why children's rights yeah. and welfare must be a priority? Yeah, number one is because they they form a quarter of the population, yeah, and number two, they they have a, opinions of what they want to see in their in their in their school at home in their neighborhoods. So I would like to see more consultation with children, and of course more consultation with CSOs and uh, more transparency in terms of policies, laws, regulations. Uh, because the more you consult with the public, the more you consult with the, the CSOs and children, the better your policies and your laws will be, right? And that's the way to go for Malaysia is put the Convention on the Rights of the Child 1989 into all your pro- policies and make sure the rights of children are prioritised in the best interests of the children. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ratin. Yeah, thank you. I've been speaking to Datin P.H. Wong, Executive Director of Childline Foundation and Co-Secretariat of the Child Rights Coalition Malaysia um, about the recent news that the Ministry for Women, Family and Community Development might set up a new um, department or institution for children's welfare and interests. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcasts on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Live and Learn BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.